Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, what is up, Gypsy Gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast. And this is a uh, bit of a treat for me uh, because my guest today is Lachlan Giles, the man that we call Lockyagi. He is one of the best jiu-jitsu competitors in the world and he's also one of the best jiu-jitsu coaches in the world. Uh, I spent uh, 10 days with him in Thailand when I first started jiu-jitsu actually um, and has just always remained a, a really good friend. Since then he has gone on to get on the podium in the uh, open weight division at ADCC which is like the Olympics of grappling essentially um, and then after that was actually a year ago uh, and then he basically went on this crazy seminar world tour uh, teaching his style of jiu-jitsu that was able to beat the best grapplers in the world uh, and then from there COVID kind of shut down uh, what he had going on and they've also had to deal with a lot through COVID because their gym is actually in Melbourne so uh, got lucky on via the uh, like a face chat sort of deal through the internet and he only had two hours the first day and I was like damn I really want to make sure that we get three hours on this one um, so we ended up having another chat but that one went for almost two hours so I've split this up basically into just our two cha- two chats um, very jiu-jitsu specific um, but I think that you'd find some of I guess just the concepts around learning and the ways to learn uh, applicable to any sport hopefully um, like he's such a an awesome dude and um, a, a guy that I've got a lot of time for and a lot of respect for uh, and when he talks about jiu-jitsu I definitely want to listen uh, just got to give a shout out to our sponsors uh, the guys at Macro Kitchen, you can head to macrokitchen.com.au. You can use the code GYPSYGANG10 for 10% off. Uh, they're fresh, never frozen meals. They do uh, delivery and pick up. You can just order through the website. And whenever I'm busy, super busy with work and I'm just doing a lot of late night sort of stuff, uh, I'll just sort of do a week where I just don't cook and I just kind of commit to uh, doing the Macro Kitchen thing. Uh, and it just saves so, so much time. Uh, don't like to do it constantly. Constantly. Um, I do like the cook, but man, when I've got to, it's it's definitely the easiest way for me to eat really good, healthy food. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at CMBT Combat Nutrition. You can head to cmbt.com.au and you can use the code GYPSY for 15% off. Uh, these guys are my go-to for my supplements in terms of uh, my sport recovery. Um, I will take their Octane while I'm working out, while I'm doing Jiu-Jitsu, and then I'll always um, take their Protein after so been working with these guys for I'd say well over a year now um 
and yeah, just got nothing but good things to say. So if you are looking for some fuel during your sport or some uh, protein for recovery after, then look no further than the guys at Combat. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at Crick's Tweed. You can head to Crick's you can head to crickstweed.com.au uh, give him a call ask for Kyle he is the man uh, they're also giving away that 2020 model KTM 450 all you've got to do is buy a new or used car from Cricks uh, and you will basically go in the draw to win they are getting pretty close to drawing that so might be a really good time to get in and get yourself a new or used car uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at Dixon Quality you can head to Dixon Quality .com.au they're always dropping new flannels and they're always selling out so definitely want to get on there quick uh, you can use the code RAMPTHIEF for 15% off righto that is it from me enjoy this two part episode with the man the myth the legend Lachlan Giles I'm at a Lachlan Giles is back, not exactly in studio, but uh, we're we're gonna do another another hour or so because you know a bit selfish with my locky time. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I just can't be breaking the mold and just going two hours on you. I feel like you're the guest that I kind of want to go four hours on. You know, four hours. All right, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so happy anniversary! Actually, I literally just saw. Uh, oh, ADCC, yeah. Yeah, your yeah. ADCC run was exactly one year ago. And that's sort of where we left off the chat. I figure you're probably, I guess you're not like sick of talking about ADCC, but um, you definitely went on a bit of a podcast run. Uh, everybody wanted to know how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was definitely, it slowly dwindled, which is which is nice. So it's, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm definitely not. Well, I'm, it's um, every time I think about. It, I mean, it's just a huge moment. So um, for for me, that is so. Um, mm. It's pretty cool to to have that. Um, I don't know if I'll ever have something. I think even if I did really well, I think even if I did the same thing yeah. at this ADCC, it wouldn't be as cool just because you know. Um, I wouldn't say it's expected, but it would be more unexpected what happened yeah. then than, than it would be now. So yeah, um, I tell you. Yeah. One of the uh, one of my few regrets in life is that I was uh, too broke to afford a plane ticket to Melbourne. We'd ta- <laughs> we'd spoken about like I, I mean fuck it was probably just me and Andrew just like hyping each other up. But that whole camp, obviously Andrew was training at Absolute the the whole yeah. time that you were in the lead up, and I'd talk to him weekly, and he's like, "Fuck, yeah. bro, the lucky arg is in fine form, bro." Fucking- <laughs> He's going to get a fucking medal. I know it for sure. And, uh, you know, we were both just, you know, jeering up so hard about about your chances. And we thought, you know, we're like, it's going to be him and Laprie in the final. And, and you know, we just had these crazy expectations. I, don't, I just, there was just a feeling that I had. And like I said, yeah. it was probably just because of Andrew just hyping it up every time we spoke. <laughs> but I was like, I got to get down there. And I just, we have to do like a video of, of what you guys were going through. And, uh, he's a and good hype man, Andrew. <laughs> he, oh, dude, he's the man. He needs his own podcast. But uh, that's yeah, one of my regrets sure. because in the end, uh, you ended up doing exactly what we both thought that you would do. Uh, we just thought it would be in your weight division, not the uh, the absolute. Yeah, it was. Um, 
well, the the funniest, the biggest regrets, well, regret story out of that would be um, there's a guy Richard who flew to ADCC to watch the event, and then I think he'd booked it, so like he was leaving. He's basically oh, leaving, no. for the, like flying out on the the night of the open weight. Oh, <laughs> that's worse. That's worse. He watched this. <laughs> he watched this. Watched us all compete, and obviously, you know, mixed success. Craig had Craig had done quite well in his weight division, so I got to see that. But then um, left and missed the open weight. <laughs> he fully cooked it. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. that's that's worse. But man, I was like, I was so happy that you got that medal, and like, I mean, it was just so. I remember I was actually training um, during the. Um, I was like. I was like, oh, sweet. Hopefully we can sort of watch it all. But it ended up taking place over like hours. And I, I ended up going to training. And then we, um, yeah, we ended up watching um, you versus Gordon. And I was just like, man, this is absolutely incredible. Like, <laughs> And, you know, I was, I think I was even watching you versus um, Ali in the car while I was driving to training. And it was just like, man, it was just, it was so like you know that it's a a massive achievement when like i mean it's not like we're best mates or nothing but you know like i just i had such a crazy proud feeling of like even you know knowing a small part of what you went through and just seeing the way that you trained yeah. and taught and to see somebody that um you know you do look up to and respect do something that was just so phenomenal and just such a massive achievement like even you know the small um you know whatever like small tie i have it, it just still was such a proud moment you know yeah oh, thank you um yeah i got a few funny stories well, i've heard a few funny stories of people being at work and yeah yelling you know just screaming out of nowhere yeah. <laughs> <laughs> client clients not knowing what's going on and yeah so yeah yeah i mean it's, it's awesome the support it's actually i wish i could kind of i'm sure i missed like a whole bunch of message i think you know i got a kind of influx of yeah you would have sure. and, so on and, then, and i couldn't even keep up with it so i probably uh probably missed a whole bunch of really cool stories and funny things people were telling me about what they were doing when <laughs> when i got that result but anyway so, so i think they're gone now so that um i guess the the way that you did win like i think what was uh, not win sorry the one the way you won those matches to get into you know the bronze medal position was essentially your system as well and i think that that's something that took the jiu-jitsu world by storm in a way because the you know all you've ever heard is like the danaher death uh, you know death squad and the, yeah. the leg lock system from danaher and then here you were doing essentially like a really old position that you made new again in 50 50 and yeah like it no one was ready for it obviously all the guys that you face weren't ready for it and you just what went through these guys so quickly and whether whether gordon wants to admit it or not like there was one exchange where you were almost on a leg and he really did back out and he can say whatever the fuck he wants but that was very clear to see and that's fine like he won the gold yeah, medal yeah. and he should have backed away from you uh you know yeah. doing the leg attacks that you were doing but it was i think just such a huge surprise to people the way that you were able to beat those guys and it was with this new system and i think that that was cool in the sense that it almost I feel like it really just not only legitimized your competitive uh like you as a competitor but then as a 
as like a jiu-jitsu mind and as a jiu-jitsu thinker and as a coach, I think that you equally achieved uh, the same level or status in, in two different ways, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's a funny one. I mean, I, I don't think that success, like competition success should influence how people view you as mm. a coach, for example. You know, like, um, you know, obviously, like, my, my instructional sales went up quite a lot after after the ADCC performance, but I'm like, it's still the same product. It's the same shit. You know, like you could have bought the same thing a month ago when, you know, like, um, uh, so yeah, there's certainly, there's certainly that part. And I think we should be careful to, to just look Mm. to who's winning the tournaments as, as necessarily who we should be um, following for, from a technical point of view and, and so on, you know, like, I think, this, I mean, I think there's so much that goes into winning a competition or being the best competitor that that is beyond just technique. You know, like mm-hmm. technique is really important, but there's like athleticism, timing. You could have the best technique, but you're just like one of those people that doesn't get the timing very well. Power, flexibility, uh, you know, instinct, um, you know, nerves. So many things play into it that you could maybe the most, I always say this, but maybe the most technical, there could be the guy that's competing and coming, you know, 16th at the Worlds. You know, you don't even hear about him. Yeah, He kind of like misses out by quite a lot in winning the World Championships, but that could be the most technical person in terms of like their their actual knowledge and systems could be the best in the world, but they're just not a, like, maybe if they were doing what everyone else is doing, they'd be losing first round and everything. Whereas they might be, you know, their, their yeah, ability yeah. in that front might be getting them really far, but they don't have the other attributes to, to take them there. So uh, yeah, that's why I think um, we shouldn't just look at competitions. Yes, but it's nice. obviously it's, it is nice to, you know, I've probably had a good 10, you know, well, I'd be probably the last 10 years I've been competing internationally, like flying to worlds, flying from Australia to the, world championship level competitions and, and trying to, you know, get a good result. And I had a bronze medal at the Nogi worlds in 2017. That was my, um, best result up until ADCC, but obviously ADCC is another, another level, you know, especially compared to Nogi Nogi worlds is kind of, it's the redheaded stepchild. It's, it's, it's the, yeah, it's a, it's a world championship. Like it is a Nogi world championship, but it's like, it's, you know, nowhere near the same level of, of prestige as ADCC and mm. a lot of like, you'd probably only get of the, of the 16 people in your division at ADCC, you might only get three or four of them doing no gi worlds. You know, it's not the full bracket. Mm. Like a lot of people don't compete no gi worlds. So, um, it was nice to obviously get that ADCC medals. It was very, I, to be honest, I was, you know, I'm 30, I was 33 at the time, 34 now, but I was kind of, starting to think that maybe, you know, my, you know, my one exceptional performance <laughs> may or may not happen, but, uh, you know, as long as I really did feel that I was improved, like in, in training, I really felt I'd improved a lot. I think like, like what Andrew was, was saying to you, but like, I did feel that my level was going up and up and up and I'd really peaked for that tournament. So, um, yeah, I hope I can get that same rhythm going again next month. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And I think it's funny to go back to what you were saying about how uh, competition results should not solely uh, be the influence over what we buy uh, from coaches because, you know, Danaher famously hasn't really competed. 
Um, and I mean, yeah, phys- that's right. physically, he kind of can't even compete in a way like he, because yeah. of the physical challenge that he has, but there probably, you know, isn't many people in the world that watch as much jujitsu as him and watch as much high level ju- yeah. jujitsu as him. And, and he's, you know, I, I think as a, as a coach, he's got, you know, you can see his students are doing well as well. So like, um, there's an indication you, you, you there. Yeah. He, yeah. There's definitely some, I, I do think, I think have to, we have to be careful, not, you know, like if someone has n- never competed before, I think, I mean, I think it's probably easy for me, you know, after training for 17 years and it, like, I can kind of look at a, a video on YouTube of someone showing a move and mm. I can kind of, I can kind of look and see whether it looks like it'll work or not. Yeah. You know, whether it's worth trying just from my, like, just from kind of viewing it. But I think your average person probably can't do that. They'd have like, so, so then you do have to be selective of who you watch. If you just yeah. kind of click on random guy on YouTube and watch, it may be good, but it could be, um, it could be terrible as well. So at least, you know, if you, if you're getting a elite competitor teaching, you know, at least their moves probably work. Do they yeah. teach it? Well, is another, is another question. Yeah. That's one thing that, uh, Shane, one of my coaches has always said to me from day one was like, man, you just can't watch everybody on YouTube. He's like, if a high level black belt isn't pulling it off in competition. And if you're not seeing that guard at, you know, the Gi world championships every single year, uh, it's probably not good. And if it's not from a, you know, and, and even when like flow grappling will post those statistics of the submissions that happen at the ADCC level and takedowns, there's a very, very, very small cluster of techniques that find their way into uh, the win column at the highest level. And they're always fairly basic shit. Like your rear naked choke and your rear naked choke. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And your like heel hook, you know, there's just not um, both heel hooks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's about, it's about choosing. I I think that's actually probably like what your coach was saying is, is probably the best way to start doing techniques is what is, I think like, what's the most prevalent Mm. at at the highest level probably means that that's almost like the amount of time you should spend working on that compared to other things you know um Mm. if if it's a weird wacky move then it can work but also you know compared to something like a you know a cross knee through pass or something like something that you see all the time like you see so many knee through passes that you'd be silly to not at least add that to your game and and feel Mm. confident in that of course i mean i suppose on the you can make a counter argument to that in that you to beat someone who's better than you. Sometimes you want to be doing something that's unexpected. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you want the, the thing that they don't see coming. Um, but if you want to beat someone you're better than you're, you're often better at just doing what's, what, uh, what's common and what works well and what's kind of proven. Uh, but the, the trick, the, I guess the issue there is that a lot of people see that, you know, they, they start doing a weird move, you know, they try to, uh, choke you from side control and because no one expects to someone to choke them from side control you might they might get it on like one in every 10 people and maybe yeah. even like on a maybe even on a purple belt or something and they're like that's oh that's you know i tapped a purple belt from here but i'm only a white belt or a blue belt and that kind of reinforces that move mm. even though even though that same purple belt now will not 
give you that again, you know, that yeah, same pervert was okay. I'm going, I know what you're doing now. You're not, I'm not going to give you that, but there's already that reinforcement that's been occurring. And then the person will kind of go down this, uh, path that's not for the, in their best interest. I think, mm. um, and you see that a lot. Um, so it's, yeah, it's unfortunately it's the more boring answer, but work on the basics and the things that are more common. And yeah. that's, that's, a, that's another thing of what is basics, you know, and for me, basics mm. should be the things that work a lot, not necessarily what's the most, not necessarily Easy what's the to do. Yeah. To, yeah. You know, yeah, that's a really, like, that's a really good point. Um, I, yeah. So like. When, when I say easy to do, it doesn't mean enrolling, but like, you know, there could be a move that's got like three steps to it, you know, and you might go, oh, that's a basic move because it's got three steps compared to move X, which has eight steps. But if move X works a lot better, then you're better off spending your time working that. Mm. Yeah. So I do think there are some exceptions to that. I think I think something like the Berambolo is um, almost got too many steps that I wouldn't, get someone to do that immediately you know mm. it just takes too long there's so many steps and areas you can mess it up even though it is high percentage there's just too many areas to mess it up that to tell to get someone right from the or i'd be very picky there might be some people i actually think someone like you would probably be able to pick up the berambolo quite well early on just because i know like how you move and you learn fast and um and you've got a good attitude to the to your training so like i could see you picking up the beer and bolo and actually working it and, and it being, you know, you'd, you'd be happy that if it takes three to six months, but now then you're kind of getting it mm. regularly, that's okay. But I think for most, you know, for some people that would take a year or a year and a half and it can be very discouraging to be working on a move for, you know, and six months in still not be able to really hit it a lot. So there is some element of truth to that. How many steps does the move have? But I also think the actual, mm. um, how common it is is probably a better indicator of what i think should be a basic move yeah that that actually makes a lot of no 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 that's what we're here for (laughs) that actually makes a lot of sense and it's funny like the berambolo is something that i just really i haven't even gone that into because like i kind of what you said sort of makes sense to me to where it's like if i'm going to i would need to invest in that whole game and it's not just the in my head, I'm like, okay, I'd need to not only learn the Berambolo, but I'd also need to learn how to then uh, come up into the leg drag and like really have that nailed down. And then I'd also need to understand uh, like the crab ride position. So in my head, I'm like, fuck, this is a lot to bite off here and I'm probably going to need some some time. So that, that does make sense, <laughs> yeah. but it is such a, like a fundamental um and high percentage move that you know you can base an entire game on and i'm pretty sure you you were telling me at some point that like in your purple belt like that was your game was like that berambolo type game yeah well it's coming back actually believe it or not so in my game (laughs) Um, that's that's mostly what i'm working on at the moment is mixing the berambolo with the with the leg lock um stuff so Mm, okay crab ride yeah so some interesting leg entanglements but um yeah as a as and are you, doing, are you talking no gi or gi? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I actually used to, if you had have asked me a year ago whether... Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. Is a good, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whether Beer and Bowl is a good, a good game to play no gi, I probably would have said not really. It's, it is it is harder. It's like you've taken the you've taken the training wheels off. Yeah. Um, in, in the gi, you can climb, right? You've got like yeah. grips and you can go like from here to here to here. Whereas 
no gi, you've got to find a way from the hips to the shoulders. It's like a long, yeah, and you cover. And like, yeah. I feel like the the grips that you can get and like come the leg drag to me always seems like the bailout plan. If like the Berenbolo yeah. isn't going the way that you sort of wanted to, it's like you can just yeah. use the gi and like sort of turn it into a leg drag. But in no gi, yeah. that's yeah, there's none of that. Like, I it's feel how like much it, harder to do something like that? Yeah, it's yeah. all harder no gi, but there's actually I'm playing with it a lot. There's there's ways you can make it work, I guess is, is what I'd say. There's, um, you've got to make adapt adaptions, adaptations, I should say. Um, and, so oh, yeah. Sorry. So, um, but yeah, if you had asked me a year ago, I probably would have said, Oh, don't bother. It's a bit too slippery, a bit too hard. So, um, yeah, it's interesting that too. Are you doing that it off? Like you don't have to give away too many secrets if you don't want we can no, talk about right. it later, but yeah. are you doing it off? My like plan, a- My plan is that. My plan is that people can't stop it, even if they know what I'm doing. So, well, that's that's, the, right. <laughs> that's, that's the yeah, that's the ideal. Um, are you well, doing it with like a the funny thing? Oh, sorry. The funny thing is when they do when they do block it, it usually gives me the leg locks easier. So I think they're gonna they're gonna have to start choosing one or the other, which is nice. Mm. I think most people will choose to to give me to keep their legs away and, and give me the the back take options. But yeah. We'll see. So are you doing it off like an underhook De La Hiva type situation? Um, not as much. I'm, I'm still actually pr- mostly when I'm going for the Berenbolo, it'll be from De La Hiva, Nogi and, and the waiter, you know, waiter guard. Yeah. 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 Yep. So, yep. um, uh. they actually link quite well together and then in and off the, the 50 50 as well so if i can get to k guard it's basically when i'm in 50 50 if someone's starting to free their knee so starting to escape the leg lock that you can kind of spin mm. under the crab right and, and then you can continue on your leg lock journey <laughs> so it does kind of all link in yeah with that leg lock game um and then you could go to yeah. like the waiter position from like half guard if you want to if you started yes half guard, yeah right? yes you can go half guard to waiter you can go um, you often Delaheva to waiter. Sometimes you go for the Berenbolo and the person comes up and you're in the waiter position and then that waiter leads back into the Berenbolo and mm. kind of that crab ride entry. So Yeah. Right. It's actually been, it's been good. And it's actually improved my my back takes as well. Obviously the Berenbolo I kinda of think of the Berenbolo as a leg first back take. Like you're kinda of starting low on their body and you gotta climb up. Mm. Um whereas a lot of back takes you're kind of starting with the seat belt you're starting with the upper body and then mm. you've got to get your your legs in we're kind of going almost in reverse um to some extent so so it kind of uh, has fixed not necessarily fixed but improved on some some parts of my um, back take game too yeah right so the point i was sort of getting at before is i think that uh it's it would be very hard um to, sorry to just to backtrack but it would be very yeah, hard yeah, for um somebody like let's say you didn't have this adcc success and you were you were lockyagi at melbourne you know st kilda and you're the same level of coach you've got the same jiu-jitsu mind and you've got the same uh you know everything you do is the same just without the medals and you want to push yeah. that argument of like hey you guys shouldn't be listening only to the guys are yeah, yeah it's it's a really hard sell but i think that yeah. what is so uh i think that it it might be one of you know like when we look down the track maybe one of your bigger contributions to jiu-jitsu is like you were able to kind of do both like i think that if you took away yeah. 
the competitive success, like your jujitsu brain is still the shit. And you, you know, you're still able to come up with these, uh, the just immense amounts of detail and like the content that you put out is it's it's honestly ridiculous like from from me that like i i make content and i look at it i'm just like fucking hell like there is a lot in there and that's just yeah. the production side of things let alone yeah. the study and the hours that you put into the gym it's just it's honestly a, an insane body of work and then you know you yeah. couple that with the competition thing so i think that it's it's really cool and you're in a unique position that uh you know, you can say like, Hey, I get it, it that, you know, it's, it's a hard sell to just, when you hear someone that doesn't have any competition success saying that they have these world-class, uh, you know, I guess you could say like lectures yeah, and, yeah. and education. Um, yeah. but you know, the fact that you've been able to do both, it kind of, uh, validates that theory a lot more. Yeah. I think it's, it's quite hard to, I think, actually think it's, I mean, I, I don't know if I, I don't think what I do as a coach is anything particularly special. Like I think, as in like, I don't think, I think, I think there's plenty of people who have as much detail. I think, I think it's probably somewhat unique in that I'm someone who competes at a high level, but also runs a gym. So mm. I'm actually, I think obviously there's people who compete at a high level that run classes, but I think. I think it's different when you run your own gym to, to running classes because you, you have mm. to, I have to think beyond just like, what am I teaching today? But actually like, how am I like, what's the overall? Yeah. Um, how are you facilitating? Like the, and, yeah. Yeah. Like, like what, how do I, what, how can I better make people who walk in the gym become good grapplers? You know? So I have to mm. think like when they, from their first class, through to you know what, what should what should people be learning at first? What should they be learning as a as a white belt? What should they be learning as a blue belt, purple belt? And um, so I think I think just having that perspective on it probably helps a lot as a coach. And there's obviously lots of coaches that I'm, like that's most coaches that own gyms, right? That's yeah, that's everyone. Um, but then a lot of them aren't actually actively competing, especially at a at a high level. Yeah, um, and. Yeah, I think, and I think I just try to, you know, I, I've always tried to think of a jujitsu kind of as like a computer program to some extent, mm. like an if then, you know, like if this happens, then I'm going to do this. If this, you know, like which which is basically, you know, we're building a system really, but like, um, you know, you get a you got a position you like, and there's a bunch of possible scenarios, and I suppose for me if someone can understand not just the linear, te like the linear technique is important. Like, do you hit all the mm. steps on the technique you're doing, but also do you understand when that technique's not going to work? For example, I'm going for an underhook and they block my, you know, my shoulder, you know, now I know the underhook's not going to work. Do I have an answer for that? You know, mm. cause you should. Um, so I always tried to look for what I try to figure out what those, key points are that change the direction of where you want to go. And I think when, I think that's actually one thing a lot of people like about my coaching is I kind of give a bit of direction beyond the technique. Like I will mm. go for this move, but only under these circumstances and I will change it if this happens, you know, mm. as opposed to just, as opposed to like, here's 10 ways to, here's 10 ways to pass the guard. 
with no context on when or why I'd use either any of those 10, that's kind of hard. But if I go, this is how I pass guard, this one way, but if this gets blocked, then I'm going to try this way, you know, and then I'm going to try this way. That, that's that, that's a lot more um, digestible. And I think that's how you think when you're actually rolling, you know, mm. you're trying to do a move and you're like, shit, they blocked my shoulder. <laughs> you know, I, I got to do something else or like, how do I deal with that? You know, so you're kind of in the moment doing your move and you need to be like, oh, okay, time to change, time to change strategy. Mm. I think that um, one of the things that I've always been more attracted to than techniques themselves was just overall concepts. And yeah. I know yeah, that course, yeah. that's been, you know, the thing for me, like, and I actually get hit up constantly by people that um, I know that have actually started doing jujitsu um and, you know, I'll sort of give them some breakdowns and stuff. And they're like, oh, what technique should I learn? I'm like, I pretty much don't really want to show you a technique. Like, I feel like maybe a, the right way to do a rear naked choke or something is probably like yeah. a really good submission to show somebody. But all I try and do with people is just literally just explain objectives. Like if I'm yeah. here my objective is to do this so it's like if you're in a sit sitting down and i'm standing up i if i can get my foot essentially past your hip and my knee past your hip then i am like in control of you if your feet are in between like my feet and your hips then yep. you're in control of me more so so it's like trying to just really i, I think that I think that a lot of people that I even come across that are like deep into their white belt still just feel like they don't even know what they should be yeah. doing. And in, in my head, it's a very simple set of um, just objectives. And to me, it's like, you know, I've seen guys come into the gym that they're just really athletic and they just get it. They're just like, well, I'll just pin your legs down. And then yeah. when you push on my shoulders, I'm going to shrug that off and then put all my yeah. weight on top of you. And it's like somebody that's a complete noob can, you know, pass a, a blue belt guard or something like that, just pure physicality. And it's like, there's no technique there. They just kind of understand what they yeah. need to be doing, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think we've, we've had a few people come, you know, I, I think of different personalities. We've got some... I do think in the end, in the end, understanding, well, I mean, I think actually from, from the start really, but if you can understand how and why the technique you're doing works. So like, like you mm. say, the objective and also understanding like what is the key point that makes this work? Cause then you can kind of sometimes something weird happens. Yeah. you like something weird happens. You're like, oh, okay. If I just try and keep their shoulders flat, however i'd do that you know you could do it yeah. a totally different way yeah. what you originally planned yeah and that can sometimes make the move still work um so i think that's um that is i think that's kind of a prerequis prerequisite to also teaching i think a a, a linear or it doesn't have to necessarily be linear but i think teaching the the technique is important as well in that people should learn a they should learn the feel of what it feels like doing it right mm. um, and i think that's why like you know a lot of a lot of people i think improve fast do quite a bit of drilling especially early on just because they get a good feel for like okay i block here they see the sequence like okay i've got to control the hip mm. control the upper body 
put my knee to the ground and pass. Um, but then I see those, I see some people who are pure, like, you know, will just focus on the details of a technique and then they tend to get really good fast, but I feel like they plateau, they, they plateau at a certain level because at a certain level, jujitsu starts getting too, there's too much gray, you know, like mm. people are going to block, they're going to block your leg. They're going to block this, block that. They're going to move left and right that you actually have to be feeling and applying concepts and understanding or how the move you're trying to do works so you can adapt and, and change. Um, so I do think both are useful. I think, um, long-term the, the conceptual side ends up having the bigger impact. Like right now I, I will do, I, right now I'll drill if there's a move I feel uncomfortable doing, mm. um, you know, if I'm like, okay, I'm trying this move. I've only, you know, recently started doing it and it doesn't feel like anything feels right. Then I'll, then I'll get some reps in to, to just get that feeling. But mm. Um, but I'll learn a lot more by just like troubleshooting and, and kind of trying to understand a little bit more about the context of when and where and, and what I'm trying to achieve with the, with the grips I'm using. So that's, that tends to play a lot more now, but I think right from the start, that can be good as well. I think they should, they go hand in hand, right? Mm. You, you need to, you need to learn the techniques, but also the hows and whys and, and when. Yeah. Um, we've gone back and forth a couple of times, like on my little geek marathons that I'll do with, uh, with jujitsu and like, you know, I've sort of looked at, you know, drawing, uh, different flow charts to sort of talk about the, you know, you say, if someone does this, then go to this and try to like, I guess, uh, create a real, I guess it speaks to that room analogy that I used, uh, you know, the last time that we spoke where, I sort of want to just have like this big room of jujitsu and I can kind of like look around the walls at all of like yeah. m my options. And I wonder, like I've been listening to a bunch of, um, of, uh, like these scientific, uh, debates and, um, podcasts around like the hard problem of consciousness and these guys that yeah. are trying to actually create these very simple formulas, um, that can actually, uh, provide like a mathematical model of, what consciousness is and i wonder that if um i'll send you some links it's super interesting yeah, um sure. but i wonder if you know i could not recite it at all because it's like deep mathematical stuff but it the concept behind it actually makes sense is that you've got these variables and then you've got these functions um within these variables and then it basically you run that program and then it can sort of go off i wonder if there is a way in which like jujitsu could be mapped and programmed in, in the future using, uh, you know, because it really is, and, and your DVDs do such a great job of illustrating this is it really is this step-by-step -step kind of thing. And it's like different inputs, um, create different options. And then yep. the, uh, I guess the follow-up input as a result of that. So it's all essentially like, this model of consciousness is you've got like, um, experience, action and perception. And they're like these three kind of nodes in which all of the model of consciousness can be made. And then there's different functions on each one of these axes. And it's like, it's yeah, literally the six sort of part formula. So I just wonder if like, I wonder if jujitsu could ever be mapped in that sense that you could, you know, essentially create a, pu a computer program that had these, you know, locked in variables based on known knowledge um, 
And I mean, knowing that you're a computer programming geek, I wonder if it's possible. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely not uh, uh, very good at it at all. <laughs> um, it, yeah. Um, yeah. I Have you ever thought so. about I mean, it? In the future, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've actually thought, you know how they've got the, so basically, um, I actually think like an AI thing would be would be yeah. interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. Like what they've done with chess. Obviously, chess is a very, mm-hmm. it's very easy to teach a chess, um, a chess board, like the chess rules and so on. They're very static. I yeah. think like teaching a, teaching a machine, like, what a human body is and how like which ways it bends and which ways it doesn't and mm. how it all moves together and like blood flow to the brain and, and so on that, that, like all these i guess variables that would apply to jujitsu but i can definitely envisage a feeding like a human body like all of the anatomy and biomechanics into like an ai machine um and 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 then making it fight another one in the rules of jujitsu Mm. and and um obviously in chess they basically got to the, obviously they got to the point where um computers could beat humans but then like i think they had this this newer one um google oh, what's it called it had like a anyway there's a new newer google one it must have been like a year or two ago but basically it's beating the chess masters and even beating the best other computer programs and it's it's just ai and they mm. didn't tell it they didn't tell it anything. They just started with these are the rules of chess and made it play against itself like millions mm, of times. Yeah. And each time it would learn things. Um, and then they'd play it against the other um, enhanced, you know, the, the other uh, machines and other humans or whatever. And, and this AI one was using strategies no one had ever seen before. No one, no one like moves that didn't mm. make sense. Yeah, they didn't even make sense why they're doing it, but clearly it's just like worked out these things that work better than what we currently have. I'd be amazed to see if you could do that. I don't know if it can, but if you could do that in jujitsu, and you know what weird moves would would come yeah. out that don't exist in uh, in the real world. But you'd, you'd obviously is it too much to ask to have it? So like you know it under you know could you could you feed in like a match getting slipperier as you get more sweaty and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Like I, guess, I suppose like, I suppose if you had enough variables, you could like in a, a good enough understanding of it. But, I think that, yeah. um, I think that that's, yeah, that's probably really far down the track, but I think that what exactly the way you just explained the chess scenario with the AI, I think that could be conceivable in jujitsu without really having to biohack the or like you know in in uh ingest the biological information i feel like if you just it almost created like rules and guards and different things and different reactions that would stop like you know what i mean that and um somebody re-pummeling an arm you know and it's like you could it just plays it so you just get it to play jujitsu over and over again and i mean maybe it could be so simple to start with like this is closed guard this is the options available in closed guard and then for the bottom player and this is the um options that are available for the top player and then if you use the same uh i mean 
the you know like the way that they use this model of consciousness it's like a very simple formula of like this is the action this is the um perception of the action and and this is oh this is the experience this is a perception of the experience and then perception of the experience creates an action that then influences you know so it goes in this kind of circle i mean maybe it it is not that crazy to think that jujitsu could be programmed and yeah maybe you just start on this like micro scale of using essentially closed guard because there is a finite uh, amount of options and available from bottom and top um and i just i wonder and there's actually have you ever heard of a guy called lex friedman i've heard of what's he what's he he's been he's been on rogan before and he's a ai yeah. kind of expert dude oh, yeah, and he, yeah. he's actually a jiu-jitsu black belt and i feel oh, like cool. if there's if there's any like he's probably had these crazy sort of thoughts about it but i feel like if anyone's got you know like a really deep framework based on um you know really breaking down and like you said that the troubleshooting side of of what you do with your instructionals yeah. i mean that you you probably have some kind of skeletal outline of you know yeah these I think, guards I mean, I suppose, yeah i suppose for me it's um it's not it's never perfect as in like mm. there's always going to be outliers i think i think i think you can yeah and you can i think you can get it to a like obviously from the instructionals i think it, it, if you follow exactly everything said in the instructions i think it can get you very good um there's always like little tiny things that are almost not worth teaching in an instructional because it's so mm. um it's so situ- you know like such a small situation that can yeah. occur in like a very rare circumstance but um which i think you just kind of develop the feel for over time and yeah i suppose i guess what i'm saying is that i don't think you could make a perfect i don't model. think you could ever make an instructional that just by following exactly what they say in the instructional you'll be you know, you're going to go and beat Gordon Ryan, but I think you can get someone to like, you know. Oh, what? That's what the whole eight. reason I started talking about. Um, <laughs> I wanted you to tell me that I could beat Gordon. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you. What I should say is, you could get you could get to the level where you could beat a Gordon Ryan if you're if you if you follow an instructional and you um, are also like working out what feels good for you and what doesn't, mm. and your own little uh, variants of that and. To beat Gordon Ryan, you probably also have to be incredibly um, gifted as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's that's the thing, man. Talent is like this ultimate motherfucker when it comes to jujitsu. Because you know, like if you want to be in that one percent, like there just is something that you have to have that like can't be trained. And like you said, you know, the most technical dude that is at you know worlds might be knocked out in round one. It's just not. It's not always this um you know the the guy that I has think, the most yeah, I think, wins um, yeah i think jiu-jitsu is good compared to most other things in life i think mm. in that like you get more rewarded for your hard work than you than you necessarily do in in other things you know i think if you played soccer you could you could train 10 times as much as everyone else in your soccer team but your just natural potential is going to play a bigger role in how mm. well, how good you uh, end up. Whereas, um, in something like jujitsu, if you train 10 times as much as everyone else, you're much more likely to be better than them. Mm. Uh, still, 
still your natural potential is going to influence how much better or if you're only slightly better or um or you end up being 20 times better than them because you're mm. already going to be good and now you're you know, but I, th- I feel like you really do see reward for hard work in jiu-jitsu but obviously at the elite level that starts to you know when in, at the elite level when everyone's doing it mm. everyone's putting in hard work then then it starts to come back back towards natural <laughs> potential having a a um, a larger influence so i think for like your average gym you know your average gym role your how much hard work you're willing to put in and how you approach jiu-jitsu mm. will have a huge in like that's going to be probably the are absolutely going to be the primary determinant of whether you're going to be one of the best guys, if not the best guy in the gym, mm. um, you know, long-term. Whereas for an absolute elite top of the top um, division, it's, it's probably a bit more complex than that. I would think that what you're saying really does describe why people go so all in on jujitsu. Because yeah. in two something years that I've been training, I have got, out of sight better than the person that walks in day one and in the exact same interval that i like i've been riding motocross this whole time i'm not that much better like the yeah (laughs) Yeah, yeah. you can have like a guy that comes in and they're just good at you know riding motocross yeah that's and i I think i I think we're talking about sports but i also think that applies to you know you know i don't think it like at high school i don't i mean i was decent at math but you know you'd have the one kid that's just like oh yeah you know yeah. I get that. We learn you learn it day one, and they understand it um, immediately. Whereas for you, like you have to actually put in a lot of work. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, like even schooling based things, I think, and you know, and probably most aspects of life, some people have to work really hard to get the same result as mm. as just to stick, just to stay like on par with someone else. Whereas jujitsu, you really see um, a you see the the fruits of your labor, so to speak. Yeah, and that seems to be, like, obviously, yeah, the level in which, you know, if it's a scale, you know, some person might end up at 800x on the scale and someone might end up at 1400 in the same time. But, like, even if you're the person that's at 800x, like, that's still such a remarkable difference. And there's not many things in your life that you would be able to do consistently for two years and have the kind of transformation that jujitsu yeah. would give you I, I i personally have not been involved in anything um like that uh, i mean i maybe the, the podcast but again that that's probably something that you know happens even way before you even start um based yeah. on you know filming and stuff like that but in terms of just jujitsu there's uh there's been nothing that i've ever done that in two years i've been so dramatically different like unrecognizably different than the person at day one yeah it's good (laughs) but i think that that's the case for for most people you know like if you do stick it to that two-year mark like there's nobody that is going to be you know let's say let's pick two years as the number like there's nobody that would be consistently training for two years that wouldn't experience a very similar thing i would say yeah, there's definitely, I, I've definitely seen people, you know, just as, as a coach, there's some people learn fast and some learn slow, mm. but anyone who's consistent will get better, which is good, which is really good. Um, yeah, I, I think about, I don't know, basketball. I tried to play basketball. I, I think I actually, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I played basketball when I was young. My, I, was, I think I was okay skill-wise, but 
you'd just get a tall kid would come along and yeah. not much I could do. <laughs> obviously, That's- I mean, I'm, I'm probably playing that. You know, obviously if I was, I would have to be like exceptionally good yeah. just to be able to, like I'd have to be like a one in, you know, 10, one in a thousand to, so that I could go against this tall kid and actually, you know, make snap him look his, like a fool. Snap his ankles. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's what that's, that's the real answer. Yeah, that that and that you're like, you know what? If I can't snap their ankles on the court, I'm just gonna go <laughs> do it on the mats. <laughs> um, so when when uh you win that uh you get third at ADCC and then you went on basically a world tour of seminars. And is there anything like obviously you'd done seminars before, but this was just completely different. Like literally everyone's like, Show me how you show me how you heel hooked everybody. And, yeah. you know, there was this, such a crazy demand and you and Liv literally traveled the world for, it felt like six months almost. What was Pretty that? Much, yeah. What was that experience like? And what a, did, is there any interesting takeaways that you like, I guess, learned about jujitsu overall by just seeing such a varied populace of people who were trying to get better? Oh, uh, the, the experience of the travel or the experience of the seminars in particular? Just the, just the whole thing because, man, like your yeah. life literally was different. Like they, that yeah, happened um, and then six months, your life just was completely different. And then it was, you know, literally half a year until you got back to some level of normal. Yeah, well, and that was kind of forced on us, wasn't it, with COVID? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. still be doing a seminar tour. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, for me... Uh, it just made sense to me financially like yeah. you know to to make the most of a you know like i don't know what's going to happen at next adcc but i know that i definitely got a lot of hype from from this one so why not you know yeah try to maximize 100%. that and you know do seminar tours and so we, we had a ridiculous um you know it was basically it would be in a new um, country or city pretty much like I'd be traveling Europe and be in a, like, it would be fly to Germany, you know, fly to Berlin, do a seminar, fly to Poland the next day, do a seminar, fly, you know, it'd be almost like fly in the morning, teach that night <laughs> and then have some hotel to stay at and then do the next thing, you know, the next day. So it's incredibly tiring. It was, it was nice having live there just to mm. you know, take out, share the responsibility, but, you know, so like, someone looking after like not understanding how we're getting to the hotel and I don't have yeah. to be stressing about that and you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, just on top of the, you know, it's, it's a pretty, you know, you, whenever you go on a flight, you got to leave. Usually you got to leave at least an hour. You got to allow about an hour's time to get there just in case, you know, something happens and then you got an hour to you get on the plane and then you got to fly and then you got to get off and you got to find a taxi, you get to your hotel, unpack all your stuff. And then by the time you do that, it's pretty much time to, you know, you got an hour until the seminar starts. So you got to, you know, and then it's, it's often, you know, you meet, you know, the people are excited to have you there. So they want to hang out and you know, yeah. which is, which is cool. Actually, I actually really like, you know, that's probably the best part of it is actually meeting people in from different parts of the world that are training and um, doing their own thing and running their own gyms. And, you know, that's, that's really cool. So catch up with them, do the seminar, usually go out for dinner get back to the hotel, sleep and same thing again the next day. So um, it's definitely full on. So we do it. We would usually do like a kind of two week um, 
two week seminar tour and then and then come back for about two weeks and then go again. <laughs> that was about how it was working. But yeah, I mean, for me, it was I I, I quite enjoy the the travel and so on and, and meeting people. But I also, you know, in terms of my own training, I, I much prefer having consistent training partners. Yeah. Um, to work with, so it's it's good to. Um, what was it? probably in terms of like rolling, like, and, and so on, what I got out of that. I mean, it's, it's good. You're rolling with like every, you know, on those tours, every single person's rolling differently. You know, mm. usually at your gym, you kind of, I'm rolling yeah. with, you know, I'm going to roll with Mikhail and I know what moves he's going to do and he knows what moves I'm going to do. And it's, um, you know, who gets the, you know, who's able to pull off the thing. I roll with Craig. I know what he's going to do. He knows what I'm yeah. going to do. But when you just, have someone across the the room from you that you shake hands with and you're like, I don't know, you know, they're going to pass under my legs around through, they're going to jump for a armbar. I have no idea. So it kind of, um, it's good like that. You kind of make sure, I think it makes your game, um, ready for anything, you know, not, not being like, not expecting your opponent to do something. It's like, okay, I've got to force my game to happen. Um, and obviously the roles are, the roles are mixed. Like, you know, some people roll really well. Some people, everyone's watching and you're rolling in a seminar and they want to go crazy and try and tap yeah. out, the, you know, test themselves against the, which I, I don't mind that either, actually. Like I, I want to get training into, yeah. um, I don't want, I don't really want to get tapped out in front of everyone, but I'm aware that that will can or will happen one day. So um, <laughs> that's so be it. That's, that's how it is. Um, yeah. So, um, but it's yeah i mean overall it's pretty full on but it's it's really good you know and i like going different especially going to play you know we like we went to turkey for example and you know went to rome and ate really nice food and mm. uh, meet the people running jiu-jitsu gyms and you get to learn that you know it's i think one of the main things is like just how how widespread jiu-jitsu is and how big it's gotten and how mm. big it's going to become you know it's um like I think it's still in its infancies compared to where it will be in 10, 20 years, but, but it's, it's already starting to be huge. Yeah. That, that was definitely something that I was curious about. Like, did it give you a different appreciation for the scale of jujitsu and, and, and I guess, did you bring anything back, um, from that, you know, you're just like this jujitsu vagabond for six months going to, you know, literally everywhere. And I, and I know the way that, that your mind works and, you know, what I'm curious to know if there was any kind of takeaways yeah. like that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think with the scale of it and I think there's been a big shift. Like I think with a lot of the recent instructionals that are out there and the way people, I think I've seen a huge shift in the way people approach their training. Things mm. that, things that I used to, you know, I used to, I used to say like, Hey guys, let's specific, you know, let's specific training, you know, for example, um, you know, and that used to be like, uh, they used to be like, Whoa, like that's a weird way to, yeah. You know, people were like shocked that, that I yeah. would have this training methodology. And I think, um, I think that's more normal now, at least I mean, it's actually, it depends on where you train, but, um, you know, like I think training methodology is getting better. People are listening to some of the more intelligent minds in, in the grappling world and taking on, um, the technical approach and the the right training methodology. And I think that means now that you're going to start seeing more and more high level competitors coming out from anywhere. You, know, you don't know where mm. the next 
best grapplers going to be coming from? You know, um, it used to be basically if you're not coming out of Brazil, there's no point. Now it's Brazil or America, and it's already started to you know now you've got these really good grapplers coming out of Norway. Yeah, and obviously we've had Australia's had some good success. There's you know the UK. There's there's kind of worldwide. I think you know I'm just waiting until Russia. And all those Dagestanis yeah. that do wrestling decide that um, jiu-jitsu is a <laughs> good sport to train because we're going to be in a lot of trouble when they do that. <laughs> that was, I'll, be, I'll be well retired by then, but um, yeah. <laughs> that was literally, I wrote down because I, I remember, I don't know whether you t- it was like an Instagram thing or something you said on a podcast, but um, I was actually going to ask you like the, the Khabib call that you made. Like, do you think that if Khabib went to ADCC, for example, like... How do you think he would do against, you know, let's say someone like yourself, like you're a very similar weight, similar like body sort of um, proportions. Like, do you think that with the level that jiu-jitsu is at right now, that if let's say you fought Khabib at 77 kilos, do you think that the technical difference uh, and obviously rule sets make a difference, but in that technical sense, like, do you think that Khabib could, could be effective against somebody at, at a high level like yourself? Um, I think, like, I think he's an outstanding athlete. So I think if, if you had could be spending a few years, like if you said like, you know, you've got three years to prepare for ADCC, like we're going to try and make you, he, he's already got the wrestling, which you know, I, I do consider ADCC a somewhat of a wrestling competition. So he's, he's going to be anyone he can take to overtime, he might be. If that makes mm, sense, like if yeah. he can last ten minutes without getting submitted and without losing a point, just staying on Which top, or probably he, he could. Really, I think he would have a decent chance, but I also think MMA is quite different to jiu-jitsu. Like you, on your back in jiu-jitsu, in MMA, you can't open. Like I can't, you can't open up a lot. Mm. Like in MMA, if you start opening up, you get you get punched by Khabib. You know, whereas like basically in eighties in grappling. You can open. You can. I could spam leg attack entries, and one of them has to hit. You know. Yeah. So I mean, I don't. I don't think he would win ADCC if 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 I can if I can put it that way. I think he would most likely lose round one in ADCC, um, if not round two. But at the same time, I think if I think just as an athlete, like and and having that wrestling background, and what I'd say is a a style of wrestling that seems to translate well to grappling like to, mm. to groundwork too i think he would not take too long to be very formidable against some of the some of the better guys you know like i think i would i would pick him over everyone else in a, in my division in a takedown like purely you know wrestling you know yeah. obviously jt torres took everyone down but i would still pick khabib over jt torres from from a wrestling point of view but i think once it hit the ground with the differences in how the groundwork's approached, I, I imagine um, he would struggle unless he actually specifically trained that style for a while. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Yeah. It was, uh, it, it was interesting. Like, I, I can't remember where I saw it, but I was just like, I wonder, like it, it would be. I was really at my, um, Khabib and Dustin Poirier post. Yeah. Mate, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mate, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I didn't I know. Like a, I had like a bit of a clickbaity title on that, and that was um, that's hilarious. If you go and read the comments of that, it's hilarious. Yeah, so basically, I think I said I wrote something like I think the title was you know like I, I was basically you know just it was basically like a video on like 
how I would approach in that scenario, like trying to finish a, a guillotine. And I, I think I wrote something like how Dustin Poirier could have finished, um, oh, yeah. or something, which which clearly worked for views because like yeah. it got shared a lot. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> there's so many people got on that, and and they're like, you know, oh, who is this guy? You know, like um, what is Khabib <laughs> smashing? Don't you know that Khabib would never tap ever, not even in training. <laughs> All these sort of things. There's like I think there's like 500 comments on it, so it might be. Um, it made me think it's probably a good idea to make those videos just because. Um, people comment on them and they get more views and, and that actually helps. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, I probably shouldn't use the, the, the clickbait titles. But anyway. I'll clickbait this, don't worry. It sucks, like, yeah. <laughs> it sucks, man. I've, I've got it in, um, I mean, I, I, I work pretty hard on the YouTube thing, obviously, and it's just like, yeah. videos do not get watched unless it's clickbait. Can't Absolutely. say it enough. Yeah, I'm very sorry, yeah. but be don't be mad at me it's like don't hate the player hate the game youtube's the fucking game be mad at youtube they just nothing gets seen i agree yeah i mean i it's um i think i had it's it's actually not clickbait but i knew it would be something that would be um yeah i suppose clickbait's the wrong word yeah well yeah i mean i I, you, you want them to click on it so yeah but um i mean my most recent video i put up on youtube was um on why you shouldn't hip escape for open guard retention. Yeah. And I knew people would, I knew people would, um, you know, that would be a topic of fierce debate, but I kind of, that's actually genuinely believe that what I, everything I said in there is correct. <laughs> so I don't think that's a, it's a misleading title, but, um, I knew it would, I, I deliberately put, you know, I could have said something, you know, I could have put a more mild if title, you, but I knew, yeah, I knew if I put said, it like that, like you should, you know, why yeah. you should never hip escape for guard retention. I knew that would get people clicking on it and going, geez, that's an interesting, you know, yeah. that's an interesting thing to say. And yeah, so I bet you got to do it, like you said. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. We don't have to, but if you want to get more views, <laughs> you got to do it. Yeah. yeah, oh, 100%. It frustrates the shit out of me because it's like you can work as hard as you want on like great content, but great content, unfortunately, just doesn't stand alone in this era of media. Some of my best videos on YouTube, I think, are, you know, like as in like best content, I'm like, geez, this is like really good yep. details. People are going to like it. And I'll be like, you know, um, passing the half guard 1.1, controlling the near side leg or something like that. And like, no one clicks it. Yeah. <laughs> like it just sounds, it sounds boring, even though it's like such a, uh, what I think is like a clearly overlooked area of, you know, you know, with all these details that people miss and, you know, but uh, yeah, I've, I've noticed that if you don't word the title right, and even the, um, I think even having a good little visual, oh, yeah. I've started like, I've started just taking a screenshot and putting it in Photoshop and making a, some sort of weird background on, on the image and, and a couple of words like why you shouldn't hip escape or something on it, you know, um, something like that. Just, I don't know why people seem to think it's a more professional more professionally made or so, I don't know. I must just give the image that like, if the, a lot of thought was, has gone into the actual um, mm. presentation of it, then it must be a more thoughtful video, which seems can't, somewhat counterintuitive, but yeah. I think also it's just a slot machine effect. I think it's just like yeah. ding, 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 like bright lights flashing. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think that, I think yeah. that there's just a, uh, there's just a thing like so much of us, I think, I mean, on like a deeper level, like we're just still monkeys. Like, 
and there's just so much shit that you can do so easily to just hack the monkey mind and bright super cut like i don't like fucking bright blue or like you know what i mean like the brightest yeah. neon blue that's not a color i like but that's my whole youtube channel because ding 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 ding, ding <laughs> like you know what i mean it's yeah. just it's got bells and whistles and emojis and it's like whatever attracts people's attention like all you're trying to do with the the whole thumbnail thing and clickbait is just just tug on that monkey brain you know just like attack yeah. that monkey brain and then and then try and get, hit him with some good content but it's like you just you don't have a chance until until you can really uh you can hit that hit that monkey brain you know absolutely yeah it's um something i'll keep working on i gotta maybe i need to hire someone to be the clickbait writer i could definitely help <laughs> yeah. you with some thumbnail thumbnail templates for sure yeah like it's okay, it, cool. yeah we could de we could definitely make that happen but yeah it's just like it's so insanely important like i don't even look at views on my videos as much as i look through my uh click-through rate so whatever my click-through yep. rate is on my thumbnail like that's that's what i look at that's a judge of a video if it's like if it's like 11 percent then i've got a really good video on my hands and if it's like 15 percent, that shit is going viral i should um what I should do is go back to some of my old videos and put a new thumbnail on hundred percent and then just see what the, um, see what happens to the yep. view. Um, that's actually a very good idea. Man, I'll help you do like pick, pick a couple of those videos, like two or three, send me the screenshot to the video and then I'll make your thumbnails and just see, like, just see if it, can you change the, can you change the title as well? Yeah. Yeah. You can yeah, and just they, clickbait okay. everything, mate. <laughs> Maybe I'll do that. Oh, it's All insane. Right. It's it's insane. Like the yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate that um that that's how it is, but you sort of just can't. And like a lot of my content, like I pretty much like I think this year, just this year, we've had twenty four million impressions on my YouTube channel. Yeah. And like it's you've awesome. probably you've probably had more to be honest. And uh, uh, oh, impressions. How do we find that out? Just going to go on right now. Yeah, going to your <laughs> analytics. But um bring that up, Jamie. So, whatever they say. Yeah, yeah, look that up, Jamie. Um <laughs> but yeah, so your um your reach, it's under your reach tab in your analytics. Yep. And then it'll show you um yeah, it should say impressions. And so like you'll have impressions and then you'll have views. So impressions is the amount of time YouTube's uh shown your thumbnail to the audience. And then your views are obviously people that have clicked through. So then, uh, yeah, yep. you know, the higher, okay. so I'm, I'll, I'll read two, two million impressions. So two, not as many as two wait, million. Yeah. Wh what, when was that? What periods that though? Oh, wait. Uh, no, last 28 days. Okay. Yeah. 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 You've got way more. Than uh, that. Do you want me to go lifetime? Just go 365. Oh, wait. Okay. Yeah. Uh, last 365 days. 30.3 million yeah so and, and then if you go to your views now of your like overall yeah. views in that 365 so like essentially youtube has shown your content to 30 million people or 30 it's yeah. shown your thumbnails 30 million times and the amount of views you've got is the click-through rate to those videos so like you really want to bridge that gap between your um impressions and your um and your views yeah. essentially i've only and, got 5.4 5.4 yeah so that's pretty that's like average so if you start yeah. to then 
like my good ones, like good videos that I've got will be like 11 to like 15. That's what I'm sort of chasing. And then higher. Yeah, okay. Yep. So like you yep. just want to, what you want to do is find, you know, find like a style that is going to just gradually up your click-through rate. And then you'll start to see like, oh, this color works better or this title works better or works yep. better for, you know. So, but yeah, I mean, there's so many fucking crazy like when you talk about the clickbait like that's why they do that shit yeah yeah for sure that's um i mean even i get you know sometimes something comes up and i'm scrolling through a social media thing and i'm like i find myself clicking i'm like <laughs> you know i don't, don't really want to know the answer to this <laughs> like it's just a it's just a stupid question that i don't want to know <laughs> yeah they get I, I, for some reason now i keep getting these suggestions um coming up of um you know now uh, i keep getting the you know like there's a croc you know hunting a you know <laughs> a boar or something like you know it's some, some sort of like yeah. wildlife thing I've, I've obviously like one or two have come up and i've been like oh is the croc gonna get the boar and then you know <laughs> now there's like you know any kind of wildlife they, they obviously th think i'm one of those people that likes that so there we uh, are, which I actually kind of do. So they, to be fair, they, <laughs> like watching those nature documentary sort of things. So the, there yeah. was a, there was a video that come up um, recently. And I mean, I'm just pretty like my YouTube is like basically philosophy, like anything philosophy or like nature of mind, consciousness, all that shit. Like that's pretty much where I'm at at the moment. And then there'll yeah. be like jujitsu and then motocross highlights. So like, I've got a pretty, I'm operating in a pretty narrow window. But this yeah, one, yeah, yeah. this video come up, um, and it was like this ninety-three-year-old dude's. Um, what he he actually is a philosopher, and he wrote about death. He wrote a book about death. He, he I think he said he wrote like eight or nine books in his life. And um, and this video, it was one of the most raw and like touching videos I've ever watched. But he sort of starts this video, and he's like, he's like, I've written eight or no, I've had eight books published in my ninety-seven years, and. I'd like to think that on all of these topics, I really knew what I was talking about, except the book I wrote about death. <laughs> and like, he just, <laughs> spent, he just spent like this 12 or 14 minute video, just really like, it was insane. I'll, I'll shoot you a link. But uh, the yep. funniest thing was like every single YouTube comment was people saying like, man, I actually feel good that this come up in my recommended. Like I feel like I'm on the right I feel like I'm on the right path in life and like everybody was saying the same shit. Like yeah. wow, if YouTube's sending me this, I must be starting to figure it out. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. they know but man, there's people way smarter than uh I'll, I'll say me. I don't want to lump you in that basket, but there's people way smarter than me that are figuring out how to keep us uh keep us locked in. Yeah, it's um you really just get put in like a, I think it's like, you know, they, they figure out what you like and then you, they give you more of that and it just puts you more down your, your rabbit hole, you know? Mm. So you just end up whatever your, I, I think that's why the, actually, I mean, obviously I'm not, I'm not obviously not the first person to think this, but um, it seems like that's going to be an issue in that it's going to make the world more divisive, you know, like, mm. the, you know, if someone likes one side of politics, they get pushed more and more views that support that and less and less of the counter arguments. And, mm. and then, um, same thing on the other side, which I think, um, yeah, it's gonna, 
be quite a divisive thing if it already is but yeah yeah and then you add the fact that the platforms are so geared towards that negative bias like the videos that yeah i've got videos on my youtube channel that have like 100 200,000 views on these segments and they're the ones where i'm just getting fucking torched in the comments like that's <laughs> oh, the really? that's the common denominator like a bunch of people and there's this social proof that is it seems like as soon as one person says like like there'll be someone's like what who the fuck's this blue belt think he is talking about <laughs> you know what i mean then there's that guy yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and then that gives this social proof where someone else is like yeah this fucking blue belt doesn't know shit and then everybody gets in and then and youtube is just like yeah. let's send this video out to people and it's like yeah. that's the that's the common theme and i think that even that's why you see like people build their whole style on that you know like you look at a guy like chael sonnen he will just say this shit that will you know i guess like get people to call him out or to say he's a fucking idiot say he same with his... gordon ryan really i think 100 100 yeah. gordon ryan does that yeah have you oh, that, there's yeah the, i mean i guess the sad thing is it seems to work right like mm. it in, in terms of it depends what you want but like you know for for gordon ryan if he gains another you know hundred thousand fans by acting a certain way um and loses ten thousand, then mm. like he might see that as a a big plus and he doesn't really care what people think apart from outside of his like close social group mm. um you know then that can be can you know i think yeah that's the same reason why people are going to trash talk in mma and so on like it's it's it makes sense financially. Like I, I, I shouldn't, but I would much rather watch a fight that's like hyped up with people mm -hmm. who are like, you know, talking crap to each other. I don't know why, but like for whatever reason, when I see that, I'm like, oh, I'm more excited about this fight than just than just turning on a UFC and watching two people fight. Like that, um, if there's no hype behind the fight, I don't get that excited about it for some reason. Yeah. Do you think though, like with Gordon, do you think that he's made the sport better and more profitable? Like, let's say there's no Gordon um, Ryan. Do you think that ADCC was as big as it is this year? Do you think that there's the fight to wins that have the, you know, really good cards? Like, because I haven't been in the sport a super long time, only a few years, yeah. but I think it's visibly grown in front yeah. of me. And it's like, you, you have to say that Gordon Ryan is like the spearhead figure in the sport and especially because he is so polarizing yeah. and i think that now like people talking shit like that was the original problem that everyone had with gordon was like he talks shit he's disrespectful to the sport and then now like those same people that were criticizing him back when i first got in the sport are all doing the exact same shit and it seems like there's a lot of people that are you know like these the super fights are getting more these fight to win cards yeah. who's number one like it, it sort of seems like unfortunately or, or i mean fuck it that's i guess my question is it unfortunate if a guy like that is actually doing something to grow the sport would you rather have a the sport grow slow but with more like integrity or it just yeah. grow you know because at some point he's going to retire and if he leaves the sport bigger than when he came in he kind of did a good thing for the sport right yeah i think you, i mean you could definitely make that argument um i don't know how i what's the counter argument about that like yeah i mean the counter argument is the counter argument is that like you know do we want the sport to grow 
for the sake of just growing the sport. But mm. on the other hand, having, you know, like, yeah, he's obviously there's, there's young impressionable people mm-hmm. that think that the way Gordon Ryan acts is the way you should act. Um, especially he's online. It's actually much more mellow in person than he is <laughs> online. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's like, you know, he's kind of quiet. Doesn't seem to, you know, doesn't like seem to, uh, stir people up nearly as much in person as he does online. But, um, yeah, like, I mean, I suppose like if everywhere, you know, let's just, let's just imagine that this isn't combat sports, which seems to have more of that than anything else. But, um, let's imagine that's in every field, you know, like no matter what you watch on TV or whatever, but if everyone's acting mm. like that to everyone and that becomes the norm, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a good thing. Um, so having one area, like you know, in an area like jujitsu, if that is leaning us towards more acting like that, then I don't think that's overall necessarily a, a good thing. Um, mm. But I mean, does, does, is that outweighed by more people getting into jujitsu? Um, maybe, I mean, it probably makes a lot of sense from a personal level for Gordon Ryan to build up his profile and, you know, sell more instructionals and get more money for his super fights and all that, like that absolutely um, makes sense from an individual level from a, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, I want jujitsu to grow because it's awesome. Like as in like, I want more people mm. to realize how good it is. Um, but I don't necessarily think like, I don't want people, I don't want more people to do jujitsu for, you know, just because like I, I only because yeah. I think jujitsu is a good thing. But if I, I suppose if I, if I thought, overall jiu-jitsu started having a negative impact on people's lives and the way they acted and so on. Um, and I, if I thought that outweighed the positives of it, I would probably think I'd be less inclined to want more people, you know, to want like yeah. jiu-jitsu to become more widespread. But I mean, I don't, to be honest, I don't, I'm not like, it's a very hypothetic, it's a very yeah. hypothetical yeah. question. But yeah. I mean, I'm, it's, I'm taking it to a very big extreme saying like, you know, but I think that influence the way that kids act, you know, I, I don't, there might be no um, impact of that at all. You know, <laughs> it could, it could, it could act that way. And in the end, like most kids are going to just, you know, like people that follow him aren't really going to change the way they act in there. Mm. I, I haven't looked at the, the research on how much a um, someone's idol actually influences their, mm. their behaviors. But um, yeah, I mean, so, but yeah, I think he has grown. I mean, I, I do think like that has grown the sport um, in terms of popularity. I think, for whatever reason, um, like especially those um, shows like Fight to Win and so on, and why why everyone's wanting to watch more no gi than than gi at the moment, even though gi's gi is probably more popular um, in terms of what's practiced in mm. in actual gyms. Um, everyone seems to want to watch no gi matches, and and I think that's probably a big part due to the ADCC and, and Gordon's influence. Yeah. Yeah. You, you are right though. When you say like, cause that is one of the things that I always try to do when it, it comes to like a complicated problem. It's like, okay, what's like the most extreme version of this question. Yeah. And I think that the, the same, like a really good example of that is like when I was living in the U S and people would talk about guns and I'm like, all right, yeah. let's just extrapolate this out to the point where it's like, okay, so are you cool with every single person having a gun? That, okay, so that doesn't make sense. All right, so then you kind of have to go the other way because it's like you can't really 
You know what I mean? If it, the, if your argument is like, oh, well, this person should have a gun, this person, should, then it's like, we're just going to get yeah. to the point where everyone has a gun. And then at that point, we're like, mm, maybe that's not the right idea. So you kind of have to go back to where you started. Yeah. And then it's, I mean, but then, I mean, yeah, I suppose on, on both, usually for a lot of arguments, you can make a, you take it to the absurd almost on, on mm. either level and you can, and you can find something that's ridiculous and then. Uh, what you usually find by doing that is that somewhere in the middle is, mm-hmm. is a, yeah. you know, like some some degree of trash talking is is probably good. Um, you know, if everyone in the sport just starts trash talking and like it's literally everywhere and that's all anyone does to promote a fight, I don't know if I like that mm. direction of where it's if it's headed like that. But I think if you know if you've got the occasional person who's doing it and that builds up hype, but but most people in the sport tend to play a more kind of, uh, I guess, respectful approach, then overall, I think you could still say that jiu-jitsu is, you know, uh, stands for good values and, you know, it should be promoted more and so on. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Good answer. I didn't really, I never really thought of it that much until then, but. Yeah. <laughs> Me either, so I, <laughs> I might good. change my mind tomorrow. <laughs> uh, um, the last thing that we, were, that we were talking about, I'd like to pick your brain a little bit more about was my, uh, 52 classes in a in a month idea oh yeah yeah so yeah. obviously the first concern don't get hurt because it is a, that's a lot of training but yeah. like let's say you know i come to you with that idea as a person that has the experience that you do and obviously let's just let's just assume let's play this game assuming that i'm not going to get injured and that i'm physically well prepared to deal with the task yeah. what would you think is like okay so let's plan this thing out so that you get the most out of that experience like because it is quite an extreme way to to do training um yeah. and essentially it would be just like a month-long thailand you know kind of experience yeah but you know what what could you see is like what what way would you tackle that what's some of the things that you think you could get out of it is it even worth doing you know like as just a, a pure mm-hmm. thought experiment like what do, what do you see in that um, I think, uh, I mean, I think for a few reasons, you would want to work multiple areas of your game per day, mm. um, and not just do like a full week on X guard and then a full week on, you know, something else. I, I think, I think there's a couple of reasons. The first would be even just for injury sake, um, having, you know, when you play X guard, if you did that all day, basically, then it's the same part of your body taking stress mm. all day. Whereas yeah. like, you know, X guard compared to playing, you know, from the back, trying to choke from the back, then has different um, different parts of your body taking different strains. So more likely to spread the load out and less likely for one structure to get overloaded and get injured. Also, um, zero takedowns will be done in this month. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, so you might out. want to. Zero takedowns. Um, from a learning perspective, we know that a lot of your, a lot of the processing of what happened during the day and, and transforming that into improvement actually occurs as you sleep. So your brain mm-hmm. kind of takes in this information, you sleep, and then you come in the next day better. And they've proven that like with video games and so on, like your little tasks that you try at it and you kind of reach a certain level and then you sleep and then they try it again the next day and it's jumped. You know, 
you've, mm. you've made a jump. So to me doing, so as long as you get enough exposure to it, you know, if you had like half an hour on X guard each day for a month, I think, or maybe an hour, you know, I, don't, I haven't really thought about exactly how yeah, uh, the, long, yeah, but you know, like an hour yeah. on X guard, let's say each day, but then you're getting your sleep at night and allowing the improvements to like uh, consolidate in your brain and, and kind of, you get the full 28 days of that rather than say doing a week on X guard and then mm. a week on something else. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would probably be picking a few areas of the game that you want to def definitely improve on and make sure you're working them um, specifically each day. Um, then you could probably, t I mean, given the volume you're looking for, you're going to have to be, it can't be all rolling, right? Like it's going to be, it's going to have to be drilling yeah. and it's going to have to be a, like, I think you need the drilling to be smooth, you know, N nothing to, I think it all has to be kind of positions that just, just purely from the volume, it would have to be positions that aren't extremely taxing on the body. Like you say, with wrestling, you know, you're not going to mm. wrestle. Um, no, I don't have many. <laughs> Yeah, fifty-two days worth in a month. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, maybe like working a you know making a working your back attacks or back escapes might be a lot less taxing than mm. some of the other things where you got to chase down a single leg and and so on. Um, yeah, I mean, I think probably if I had to actually structure like specific style, I'd probably like think work something from guard some sort of guard some sort of passing style some sort of finishing style um and perhaps one other one other of, of the others and i think like over a month like having four things to work on would probably be sufficient mm. um i don't know how much it depends how much rolling you want to get in as well you might and i think you could probably mix it up each day you know like some days don't roll you just do specific training and, and drills mm. and another day you might just roll and kind of see how it's all actually integrating in the um like how, how well what you're practicing in isolation is actually yeah. transferring to your, your yeah. game as a whole yeah and, and use those roles to kind of troubleshoot and and go back and fix things so yeah that's right now that's all i can think of. was there any other parts that you had a thought about there that like in terms of how you would do it or how do you think you would approach it? Mm, yeah. I mean, I sort of, just because I've been injured this whole year, like I actually already wanted to have done it. Um, it was sort of my plan because yeah. my sort of goal with it is that like, I get a lot of interest in people. Like, obviously like I don't have a jujitsu channel. Like it's way more skewed towards like just general interviews. And then the sport that I'm normally covering is motocross. But like I get a lot of interest and I've, I've had a lot of people that have started jiu-jitsu that listen to the podcast and I just, I'd, I'd love to do something that could really just showcase like how hard it is, how much yep. work just the average person puts into jiu-jitsu. Like, you know, yep. for example, you know, like Shane, he's a guy, he's a three-stripe brown belt, he's running his own academy. I mean, he did like, 30 something roles in a week before you know when he was getting ready for the state titles and it's like he's just a normal guy like i mean essentially yeah. jiu-jitsu is his job but like 
he wouldn't consider himself an athlete. Like he still calls himself a hobbyist. So it's like yeah. the average dude that is very into jujitsu works so insanely hard at this thing. Yeah. And I just would love to do something that showcases th that, um, you know, the intensity of the training and the, the seriousness that, that people put in it. Mm. Um, so I think that's probably my overall goal uh, outside of even just getting better is I think it would be, you know, uh, essentially it's a clickbaity fucking title, you know, yeah. like, um, but I think, I, I think what would be cool, what would be cool would be to, um, set up a little tournament at the start of it, not a tournament, but like have like four guys you roll with mm. and you try and beat them at the start. And then after the, the 28, after the year's worth of training in a month, roll with those same four people and see if you've made mm. progress against them. That would be cool. That would especially be cool against like high level guys. Yeah. And guys that I think actually if you had a mix, like if you had someone mm. someone like at one blue belt, one purple, one brown and one black maybe or something, you know, like a yeah. mixing it up and seeing seeing um cause I imagine you would prove you would you would improve a lot. Um it'd be interesting to see whether I, I'm I do think um I have a theory to some degree, which I don't think is proven, but I think um, if you think about pain um, and how much pain you'd actually be in training that higher volume, <laughs> um, I think pain's, <laughs> pain's actually in, in some ways, actually in a lot of ways, pain is a way of saying like, don't learn that. You know, they do that in psychological experiments. Like the, mm. the dog does something, and they make it hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, they'll hit them or whatever they do, or, you know, zap them with a thing and yeah. it stops the dog from, it actually like makes your brain learn not to do that. Yeah. And I wonder if, if you're so sore from training that you're showing up and it's actually hurting to train, yeah. I wonder if it actually stops your brain from learning skills as well as if you're feeling fresh. Mm. Um, so I wonder if you can get the same, benefits by jamming all that training in but getting really sore mm. and potentially losing some of the um, like the motor neuron kind the of actual yeah the, like yeah the, at like a, at the um brain level of, of learning like whether you're actually um impeding that yeah i this is this is just a it's a thought i've had in that only because like i used to train more and i actually train a bit less now and i feel i feel like i learn better now um, or at least I feel better when I show, I, feel, I think I, like if you come up to training, you're feeling good, you want to be there, you're mm. enjoying it and you're like, yes, this is really good. I feel like I learn more than if I'm really sore and I'm like, oh, I would like a rest today, but I know I have to train and you mm. know, like, so I do it anyway. And, and I feel like I don't get as much out of those sessions. Mm. And then yeah. I think if you did a year's worth in a month, you'd probably be pretty, pretty sore. Uh, yeah, but it'd be, inter be very, very interesting to look at actually. Yeah. And I think one of the, so like one of the things that I'd like to do, obviously uh, it's probably going to be when COVID's over, hopefully in the sense that people can travel. But what I would like to do is invite people to come and spend the, a week. So like I'd get like skin man and be like, Hey man, come up, do yeah. the week. We'll live together. We'll, we'll do this training. And then, you know, do the podcast, talk about jujitsu and, you know, that kind of thing. And it, and then yeah. he'd be involved in like the content side of things. Um, and then, 
you know, have a different person come, a different person come. Um, and then, you know, you'd sort of be, be kind of working with these like sort of different people. So it would be varied, but I'd have to, I'd want to try and, uh, structure it as well, but it'd be so hard to structure something when like, you just wouldn't even know what your body would be able to sort of take, I guess. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, you're going to be at, at increased risk of injury for sure. Just like your, your training volume is going. I mean, I think you should first get, I think you probably should spend like three months building up your mm. capacity before you, you would try something like that. Um, just like build up your baseline yeah, um, level of, of, um, of training. And then I think the so recovery not, side not of too big thing. of a spike. Yeah, and the recovery side yeah. of things, like I, I feel like it would literally be a month of ice baths, you know, twice a day. <laughs> yeah. and, you <laughs> know, baths. like, oh yeah, I just, I, I mean, feel maybe like a, it. Maybe oh, a fair bit of your training could be stretching and so on as well, you know, just like mm. that. That's still, you know, I think part a useful part of training, but it's low impact on the body compared to doing um, all just classes, for example. Mm. yeah and then and then i think that one of the other elements that i'd really really like to do um is film almost everything like and i mean yeah. it would it would be f for content purposes but i think that yeah. aside from the content the learning itself um i mean i watched the video that i posted of my um my finals last well, couple weeks ago yeah and I've never really get to watch footage of me roll. I don't get, I don't really yeah. know what I look like when I roll. I don't really know the techniques. And there was stuff that I looked and I was like, wow, that's really, really cool. To the point where I was like, I didn't even think of that. Like I just did that. <laughs> and did, then, yeah, yeah. and then, but then there was stuff where I was like, I obviously wasn't thinking there because I could have done a trillion other things. So I think that the, that would be something I think that, in my mind, the most beneficial thing that I could do in that month would be film and study um, all of the, not only just the roles, but the specific yeah. training and, and, and really to just see, um, you know, because like when we, like I said, when we, you know, the, I guess part one of this, it's so much of jujitsu comes down to this like proprioception and this almost like involuntary correct movements of your limbs because so much yeah, of it just actually, isn't thought good point on that actually i think you know instead of if you're doing 52 weeks in a, in a month the one of the best things you could do is um you know instead of just training all day is, is analyze video and um it's like so that like by the time the next day comes around you know exactly mm. you know sit down with a coach or someone and each day and go through okay what can i work on tomorrow you know, if you want to maximize how much you get out of it, then you know, you're doing that every day and you're treating it as a professional that way, kind of like you would at a, like they do at a elite, you know, like an NFL type facility. Yeah, exactly. You know, they, they, they review all the video from the day and they sit down and say, you know, this, this, and this, and fix that tomorrow. And, you know, I think, I think doing it like that would be ideal. Yeah. I think in, in my head, that's probably the thing that I would like really want to do the most and i think that you know yeah. people get a little bit weird about filming and stuff like that with you know different training partners or whatever but i think that would be like a prerequisite it's like hey if you're gonna if you come to train like it's everything has to get filmed because yeah. you know obviously yeah. you're doing it for content but i just think that that learning like you could accelerate the learning so much 
quicker by really seeing because i mean you know the oldest golf adage in terms of like golf instructional and golf training is feel isn't real and i think that that is just so true for every single thing that you're trying to learn and we just don't have this first person view of ourselves like our our consciousness allows us to see this whole out of our head that's like the infinity and then but we're not in that picture like at no point does my face or body you know you can look down at your legs but you just don't get an accurate picture of what you're doing and i think that that to me would be one of the things that i think would improve your jiu-jitsu the most i i think in any like physical thing yep i agree well, mate, we just did an extra hour and a half. I really appreciate your uh, your time, um, but yeah, I just needed to give needed to give the people the full the full Lockyagi treatment. And there's a uh, there's a ton of uh, there's a ton of good stuff in there. Hopefully, for people that are either very deep in jujitsu or interested in uh, in diving a little bit deeper. Um, and yeah, well, I'll definitely keep you in the loop about this this little Thanks. month deal. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Jace. That was really good. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, always, good to, always. Good to love, chat again. Yeah, always love talking uh, to you. Too. Yeah, let, let me know about your month. Um, I'm actually really keen to to see how you go with it. I'd really, I'd actually really be interested to see like a a pre pre month rolls and post month rolls with the same people and just see what they how they look different. I think that would be like a a real test and, and comparing it to just people who are just training like a regular mm. schedule and you've done a, a year's worth. I think that would be, um, that'd be really cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I hadn't find thought people who, what's that? Find people who are keen and find people who are keen enough to, um, mm. let you roll with them, but like, like that, you know, but yeah. 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 No, that, that would be interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. Um, yeah. I might, well, we'll go, we'll go off record for now. Um, so I'll just no worries. <laughs> that, thanks very much, Lockie. <laughs> yeah, cheers. Um, Thank you. <laughs>